0: Welcome into the Scout and the Sports page. I'm the host, Paige DeMocos, here with Gary Horton. And we are getting into our Week 6 Keys to Victory, four best matchups of the week. But before we get into the best of the best over the weekend, we're going to kick things off with Thursday night football because it's a really, really good football game that we anticipate. At least Thursday night does weird things, Gary, so we never know what to expect. But it does look like it's going to be a pretty good football game.
1: Yeah, it does, Paige, and I, I know you and I talked earlier in the week that we would love for this to be one of our big four games, but we had to write it up because, obviously, it comes earlier in the week. But Philadelphia, Carolina, these are two teams that are trending up. They're, they're getting good quarterback play in the last couple of weeks. They both started to run the football, and I think they have underrated uh, defenses. And, and, you know, my quick keys to this game, the Eagles run game, sets up their intermediate play-action passes, and they're great at that. If they can force the Carolina linebackers to bite on the play fake, give them some room to throw over the linebackers and underneath the safeties, they'll have a lot of success. Also, I think the Eagles are going to try to force Cam to throw underneath passes. That's not been his strength, and if they can get him to go horizontal, that could be a good thing. But we also see him starting throw those seam passes. Ed Dixon was good last week. Gave them some Greg Olson uh, production on seam routes. And they're really opening it up. And the best thing I like, Paige, about the Carolina offense, it looks like they're starting to let Cam run a little bit. You know, some zone read, some quarterback draws. And when a defense has to consider him as a running back, which used to be the case, it really changes the way you uh the play defense and the way you look at it and then cam as a threat in the run game really changes that offense i think they finally decided that's what they need to do let him do that more often
0: yeah i think the concern originally was obviously his injuries and trying to protect him and and him taking not taking so many gruesome hits and uh but that was they were trying to change his game and Cam is Cam because he runs. And it kind of seems like Ron Rivera and company took the gloves off and said, you know what, you gotta do what you gotta do to be the quarterback that you are. And it seems like they're kind of back on track and almost looking like that 2015 team. So I'm very interested in the Carolina Panthers and also from Philadelphia's side, they looked really good last week against Arizona. They've had a couple of good good games and Carson Wentz just looks like he's taking a step forward. That was the big question mark going into the season. Fletcher Cox will probably be back so that's good for their defense. So, I think this this will be a really a really fun matchup to watch on Thursday night. But the game that we're going to kick things off with with our with our top matchups of the week is the game that I'm most interested in watching and that is Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road to play the 5 and 0 Kansas City Chiefs. These games going into Arrowhead after being embarrassed at home by a Jacksonville team is not what Pittsburgh needs right now to bounce back. They are a team that is confused. They look offensively. They do not look like the team we all expected them to be. And Kansas City is firing on all cylinders, and they're back home. And I'm just not convinced that this is going to be the game that you know Pittsburgh gets things going.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you. It, it's a tough spot. I think they have a lot of self doubt, and the Chiefs are just the opposite. They are they are so confident right now. But having said that, Paige, Pittsburgh's a veteran team. They've been in this situation before, and maybe they can figure out a way to fight out of it. But my piece to the game here, the first one I think is important. Can they stop the Pittsburgh blitz? We haven't seen the Steelers blitz a lot in the last couple of years because I don't think they had man corners that they trusted. Now they do have that, and that allows them to bring pressure from all three levels, And I think that that has made them much more effective. It gives them a lot more flexibility. But, on the other hand, the the Chiefs have a ball-out quick passing attack with a lot of three- and five-step drops by Smith, and that can negate the blitz. And so I think the key here is, you know, will Pittsburgh come after Smith even though they may not get there? Or will they sit back in coverage just assuming that, hey, in this game, our blitz is not going to work because ball going to be out. So, I think early in the game, looking at that will be very important.
0: Absolutely.
1: Also, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, I just I couldn't agree with you more. I think this is I'm I'm most interested in this game if it sets up to be kind of a trap game almost for Kansas City because they're feeling so good about themselves and Pittsburgh is going to try and try and bounce back. But I want to hear what your last key to the game is here.
1: Well, the the second and third keys. The second key is the Steelers, they must establish the run and be less predictable. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's not happy. Only had 15 carries last week. That's not enough behind this offensive line. And it looks like they really have a tendency now for Big Ben throwing a lot of short routes, hope they can get yards after catch, a lot of slants and crosses. And last last week Jacksonville sat back. Versus those inside routes, and just decided to close on them. Interesting. Now will be Kansas City likes to play a lot of tight man-to-man schemes, you know, and Pittsburgh can then go to their rub routes and their pick plays. But again, how they how the Chiefs decide decide to be, defend them? Blah, blah blah Easy for me to say. <laughs> uh, will, will be really critical. And then the third key is the Chiefs. I think will throw a lot of screen passes. They do this every week. It used to be a part of their run game or an extension of their run game. And against aggressive fronts, we saw it last week versus uh, Houston. We'll see it this week versus uh, Pittsburgh. They take advantage of that aggressiveness by letting them come through. Their offensive line can trap and wham versus those penetrators. And we will see bubble screens, wide screens, middle screens, Wide receivers, backs, tight ends, they'll all run it. And it's a huge part of the defense, and Pittsburgh has to be aware of it.
0: I like this key matchup here, Gary. We're going to get into this specific matchup here because I am highly entertained by Travis Kelsey in this offense because he's – He's utilized, he is a tight end by definition, but he's utilized like a wide receiver, similar to how Gronk is used, where he's used just so much more than a traditional tight end. And he's a lot of fun to watch. He is coming off a concussion and lo- is likely going to be in this in this game. Um, so you're watching Travis Kelsey, and who are you watching against lining up from him on the other side?
1: Well, I'm rock- watching Ryan Shazier. Uh, you know, he's a tackling machine for – Pittsburgh, he's great versus the run, but I think what a lot of people don't realize is he's very underrated in pass coverage. This is a guy that can cover backs and tight ends, and I think it will be a great matchup if he's in coverage versus Kelsey. And the other thing he has to do, Paige, is be aware of those Kelsey shovel passes. They've been very effective in this offense, so when he's in the backfield, look for Shazier to obviously... Uh, defend against the shovel pass but also on those little outlet routes crossing routes if he gets in coverage that's a physical matchup between two elite players that'll be fun to watch
0: oh yeah it's going to be i love watching travis kelsey play football he looks like he's having a good time and i i love watching that but your x factor here is one of my favorite cornerbacks in the league to watch and that's marcus peters he has had a he did have a tough time the last uh, two weeks ago, uh, with Washington back in in on their field, and he's going to be against some of the top tier wide receivers with Pittsburgh. If Pittsburgh gets going, you know he's going to have he's going to have his his plate full for this football game.
1: Yeah, and I think the key here, the reason he's the X factor in my mind, is it depends on how the coaches play him. You know, when you don't have an elite receiver. A lot of times he'll just stay on one side of the field, take it away, and basically challenge the opposing offense. Hey, make all your yardage on the other side of the field because you don't have this side with me here. However, when he faces an elite receiver, they sometimes let him cover that guy all over the field. And I would think that Antonio Brown certainly fits into that category. And so I think early on in this game, if he's following Brown, all over, then we know what their philosophy is. Or he may just stay on one side of the field and, and take it away. But if they match up on each other, that's the matchup. Of the week in the NFL, in
0: my opinion. Yeah, that's going to be – that'll be a fun one to watch for sure. Now, your fantasy football sleeper going into this week is the same as mine, and that is Sharkandrick West because he was only owned in 17% of leagues going into this week. He's now up to about 60% after a nice performance in Houston. And it looks like – I'm still high on my boy Kareem Hunt – but I think that Sharkandrick West is going to also be utilized, and we know Andy Reid loves to throw, run the football, um, and I think both of these guys are going to be the guys that you, that you can count on for fantasy.
1: Yeah, and I, I think obviously he's not going to have a lot of touches, but they're really creative when they do give him the ball. You know, he had two touchdown catches uh, last week, and this is a guy that's had success before in this offense, as you mentioned. He's got nice skills as a receiver. You know, he can line up wide. Uh, he can motion. So I think he has a role in this offense. I don't know that it's a huge role because Kareem Hunt is still the guy. But I think he's going to have a chance for some big plays. It'll be interesting to see him in uh, red zone situations also.
0: Yep, definitely. I'm uh, I'm going to be watching that one, and i picture Kendrick West up because I have Kareem Hunt, so it's kind of hamp.
1: Oh, cu- cuff- well, you have their entire –
0: yeah, game then. yeah, I'm cuffing myself to make sure that I, I have either guy going forward. But the next matchup, the L.A. Rams against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who would have thought six weeks into the NFL season that this would be a primetime Big Four matchup for us? But these teams are both trending up. They're a lot of fun to watch. L.A. did lose last week to Seattle, a tough game, but it was kind of that grinded-out game that we've seen between these two teams over the past few years. And I kind of was expecting L.A. a little bit more of L.A., Jacksonville, on the other hand, goes into Pittsburgh and punches them in the mouth. I mean, just completely five interceptions, Uh, their defense is for real, I think now more than before we can truly say, okay, I think we know what Jacksonville is, where they had a good couple of performances and then a couple of stinkers, and everyone was just kind of trying to decide what this team is. But I think after going into Pittsburgh and doing what they did, we kind of need to start believing in this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. So let's start with that because I know that's going to be one of your keys to the game. So, what are your keys here? And it's got to lead off with the Jacksonville defense.
1: Well, and I think. I still wonder a little bit, who is this Jaguars defense? You know, when you look at the statistics, they're fifth in pass defense. I mean, they they just don't give up a lot of yardage, but they're 31st in run defense. And yet, when I look at them on film, they have quality players versus the run. They just don't dominate, and and they've spent a lot of money on that side of the ball. Uh, Now, the stats will say they... Controlled Le'Veon Bell last week and, and were much better ber- versus the Pittsburgh run game. But really, Big Ben went to a lot of no huddle and shotgun, and they got away from the run game. Now they've got to play Todd Gurley. So I think that the, that's going to be a real challenge. They just need to play with a little more gap discipline. The linebackers need to close fast, and, and they've just got to be able to tighten up versus the run. I don't worry about them. Page versus the pass because they have two elite corners uh, that can shut down anybody and that gives them a lot of flexibility in the coverages that they play on the back end. Uh, The second matchup can the Rams get the Jags offense in third and long situations? Uh, We know weekly what the game plan is going to be for Jacksonville now. You already mentioned it. They have an identity. They want to feed Fournette. They want good Uh, production on early downs and they want to avoid third and long situations where they have to put the ball in Blake Bortles' hands. If they can avoid that, then they're in great shape if they have third down flexibility. And I think the Rams will counter by loading up on early downs to stop Fournette and they'll dare Bortles to beat them uh, with his arm. But the real key, I think, if Jacksonville can get off you know, get out, or, or excuse me, get the Rams get off the field on third down, then they can get the ball back to their offense. And then their third key, you know, they need a heavy Todd Gurley day. The Jacksonville defense, we've talked about it already. The run defense is not what it should be. So I think that, that Gurley really needs to load up. He's seeing less loaded boxes because of their uh, improved passing game. And that gives their offensive line a little more room to work. But I think the other key here versus Gurley, Jacksonville has to set the edges. Not only do they have to worry about him inside, they've got to set the edges. because he's starting to widen his runs and run a little more off tackle. And they have to be aware of him on the outside. So that will be a key in this game. I look for Gurley uh, to really play well.
0: Yeah, I hope so for my fantasy team. Todd Gurley's been Todd Gurley's been a guy who you can count on every week and last week was a, was a pretty rough week for him. Now, the specific matchup, the individual matchup we're watching in this game is Calais Campbell, former Arizona Cardinal and wow, i just one of my all-time favorite NFL guys playing against the Rams offensive line the Rams offensive line has been underrated throughout the season I don't think they're getting enough credit for what they've been doing to help this offense along but Calais Campbell as we've seen has had some monstrous games so why are you watching this specifically this matchup
1: well because he's so disruptive that as you know if you know the guy he's huge he's tough to get a body on Uh, he has a great motor he can play inside or outside they can move him around, and I just think he has a chance to be really uh, you know, disruptive, and, and that's what he's so good at versus this Rams offensive line. You said they are better, but if he all of a sudden is getting good penetration, now he's forcing the quarterback out of the pocket and, and getting Goff on his mark, and that really disrupts him. He also can be, I think, very good versus that inside girly run game. So... He's just a guy that that, uh, he shows up every play and gives you a a great effort. And I just, you know, he could actually be our our key matchup almost every week.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, the X factor in this game, two of the best corners in the game, that's Jacksonville's Jalen Ramsey and A.J. Bouye. They are fun to watch. They have made uh, quarterbacks' life a living hell, including Ben Roethlisberger last week. So what is it specifically that they need to do in this matchup to create uh, that chaos for Jared Goff?
1: Well, what's funny, Paige, is a year ago, this defense played a lot of cover two and cover three looks because they, they coaches just didn't trust them in man-to-man coverages. And the players actually complained that they were too predictable and easy to attack. So this season, we, they have more experience, and now they've totally changed their philosophy. Aggressive man coverages, and that perfectly fits the skill set of these two guys. They can line up, take two receivers out of the game, or sort of uh, blitz flexibility, and it could give Goff uh, fits because if you can not allow those receivers for the Rams to separate, now Goff has to hold on to the ball. It allows the pass rush to get there, and it has a trickle-down effect to the entire uh, defense and offense.
0: Now, our fantasy football sleeper this week, Rams tight end Tyler Higbee, he had himself a good game, four catches, 98 yards last week, and eight targets against Seattle. So that's always good news from a fantasy perspective. What else about him makes this an interesting play? Because I think the tight end position group, as I continue to say on my fantasy show, is the hardest to guess on a week-in and week-out basis. So if you're getting that many targets, you got to feel pretty good about Higbee going forward.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, the Rams are starting to really like their two tight end sets with Higby and Gerald Everett. And, uh, you know, as you said, week to week you're not sure who they're going to go to. But Higby is a guy that Goff really likes. I think they were roommates in training camp, so they know each other well. Uh, You know, he can line up in line. He can go out wide. But they, they tell me that he's really starting to develop on the seam route. And now, with legitimate guys outside, we didn't always see it last week, but with Watkins, Cup, and Robert Woods, you know, and even Gurley as an outlet receiver, all of a sudden Higby is going to get good matchups, and I think his production uh, uh, will improve. But, you know, it could be Higby this week. It could be Everett next week. But I think the Rams are are semi-committed to getting their tight ends more involved in the passing game.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm in agreement, and I picked him up in one of my leagues that I had Charles Clay because Charles Clay got injured for Buffalo, so he's a good he's a good guy that I'm paying attention to from the tight end position because that position group in totality is a big disappointment usually year in and year out, and this year especially. But we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll do our last two matchups. Uh, this has been the Scout and the Sport, Sports Page. All right, we're back uh, talking about the last two matchups here, Week Six in the NFL. Paige Demakos, Gary Horton, uh, and this is the New England Patriots visiting the New York Jets. Both of these teams are three and two, and my oh my, I cannot believe they are tied atop the AFC East. The Jets coming off of win against the uh, against the Cleveland Browns. It definitely is not a a signature victory for that organization, but considering what the talk was going into the season, the Jets tied for the league lead with the AFC East with the New England Patriots. I'd say they would take it. I'd say they'd take it and be pretty happy about it. So, New England going on the road, they've been an interesting team thus far. We had a lot of hype going into the season, and they've been up and down. This was their best defensive performance last week against Tampa Bay. So, what do you expect? Tom Brady sat out of practice earlier this week on Tuesday, which concerns about his left shoulder. I've, it's expected that he's going to play, obviously. If Tom Brady doesn't play, that's a completely different team. But we'll say Brady's playing, and uh, Gary, give us your keys to this this matchup.
1: Well, and I think the first key is right there. Can the Jets' pass rush get to Brady? Uh, you know, I think there's some concern about this offensive line now. They've made some tweaks to try to improve things. But this is a 40-year-old guy that's just getting hit too much. Uh, 32 hits and 16 sacks through five games. You know, that that's not very good. And and they can't hold up for seven-step drops, which they would like to do to get some of those deep passes to Cooks. Now, on the uh, the good side for the Patriots, they're facing a Jets pass rush that has only produced seven sacks. They're 31st in the NFL. And the combination of the Jets not getting to the quarterback very well and also, the Pats going to three and five step drops probably bodes well for Brady. I think this is the game where he may not have to take a lot of a lot of hits. Uh, the other, my second uh, key to this game, the Pats defense must avoid giving up big plays. You know, we know about the limitations of the front seven. We've seen that all year, but I think it's really surprising how. up and down the secondary plate. they're giving up a lot of passes over 20 yards and the problems are just not necessarily uh physical they're also mental and this is never done with a bill belichick defense and what's happening is when they played aggressive man schemes offenses would counter with condensed and bunch formations they would use a lot of crossing routes and pick plates or rub out defenders and so i think the pats We'll start playing more zones, more off schemes, and keeping everything in front of them. In that effort to avoid big plays, and then the third key are the Pats making the adjustments on both sides of the ball. And we've already talked about it: more three and five-step drops on offense, uh, get the ball out quickly, negate the pass rush. And even though there may be less deep shots, maybe that's the trade-off that they have to. Uh, Except and hope that they can get a lot of yards after catch because we know horizontally they've always been a really really good passing game and then defensively even though they think they have great man corners i think we're going to see what they did against tampa bay more off schemes uh, some zones keep everything in front of them it's not exciting but it's a bend but uh, don't break attitude that probably is their best chance for success page
0: all right, when we look at the key matchup in this game, the offensive line has struggled in, in all recent weeks, especially last week. They looked pretty bad, and Brady took some hits, A.K. why he's sitting out practice this week with some shoulder injuries. So I see you're, you're watching Nate Soldier and Leonard Williams. Why is that your key matchup this week?
1: Well, you know, they have problems all along the line, but Soldier has been the guy that struggled the most, and obviously that's Brady's uh, backside you know, with, with him at left tackle. Now, the good news is that Williams has not had a good pass rush season thus far. He has zero sacks. He's not even getting quarterback hits. But his skill set, is the, he's the type of guy that bothers Soler because he's a power rusher. He's a bull rusher. And that seems to be what the Pats offensive line is having trouble with, guys that run right over him and they're not able – anchor. So I think this is a matchup to watch because he's got to be able to protect Brady's uh, backside.
0: Absolutely. The X factor in this game, receiver Danny Amendola, he has been with Julian Edelman out, he has now kind of rose into the The occasion of being the guy who is Tom Brady's guy because Chris Hogan has been around but he hasn't been around as long as Danny Amendola and obviously Gronkowski's had injury issues like it seems every year Gronkowski has injury issues and Brandon Cooks is new in this offense so why is the X factor Danny Amendola this week?
1: Well because he's the go-to guy and and they've now perfected uh, that underneath option route that uh, Brady and Edelman were so good at they have a feel for each other you know, uh, uh, Amandola is going to break it inside or outside based on the coverage. He and Brady are now starting to read the same thing. He's also been very good on, on third down. And it'll be interesting this week, though, Paige, because he faces two really good Jets safeties in Marcus May and Jamal Adams. These guys are actually the, the biggest story of the Jets season so far. So it'll be interesting on... Uh, on on how he plays versus two talented uh, rookie safeties. But I just love the chemistry that Brady and Amendola have in this underneath passing game in the slot.
0: All right, the fantasy football sleeper this week. I lifted my ban on the Jets and allowed for people to pick up fantasy football players from this team, specifically in that tight end group that we had already talked about, having some struggles. And Austin Safarian Jenkins seems like he's going to be a pretty good option as a tight end in uh not only for the new york jets but is specifically from a fantasy perspective
1: yeah and i'm not overly excited about him but again you look at this offense where are the plays going to come from they just don't have any outside weapons uh this guy has talent but he's a career underachiever He's had a lot of off the field issues but maybe he now has a chance to hey start making some plays and josh mccown seems to have a little faith in him he's getting uh uh, you know, a little more more looks than he has in the past, and the Pats are giving up some uh, nice plays to tight ends this year more than we've seen in the past. So this could be a day where he might have uh, some production versus New England secondary.
0: Yep, I, uh, I I'm excited. It's it's the one team I said one of the teams where I said you can't have anybody on your team from the New York Jets, and I've lifted that ban. But this is the last matchup here. This is Green Bay at Minnesota. Green Bay leading the division at 4-1. and Minnesota coming off a win on Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears, a close victory. Um, and the Packers are coming off one of their most uplifting <laughs> victories on the road in Dallas. Aaron Rodgers is absolutely magical. We talked about him earlier in the week. It's just magnificent to watch him in his prime and how exciting this team is. The Minnesota Vikings, on the other hand, bring in Case Keenum midway through the game. I'm confused as to what's going on. I think Sam Bradford has re-aggravated his knee. That obviously changes the dynamic of the offense, but it looks like Case Keenum can do enough for this team. And Green Bay on the road has not been as good as Green Bay at home, but they did just get a big victory in Dallas on the road. So what are your keys to to the game here? Because I think these are going to be the two teams. This division division overall is actually – turning out to be pretty good this year.
1: Well, and I agree with you. I think Case Keenum right now, he's not overly gifted, but I think he gives them the best chance to win because Bradford looked to me on Monday night like he's not close to being 100%. So I would be really surprised if Bradford plays this week. I think the first key to this game, will the Vikings bring their egg gap blitzes? Nobody is better at attacking the inside than they are They love to put, when you watch them on film, they'll put four guys in the A-gap, two defensive linemen, two linebackers. You don't know who's rushing. You don't know who's dropping out. It can be very confusing for a quarterback, Uh, you know, and I think that's very, very important. Rodgers, you know, his interior line needs to have a strong blitz pickup game. But the good news is he also has the mobility if he starts to feel that inside pressure, he can slide to the outside. He can either throw or run, and we know he can get away from trouble. Also, Minnesota has to be aware, if they do bring that blitz, Rogers is great on side adjustment. He will find the hole where the blitz comes from, his receivers adjust, and he'll throw into that hole. So that could be a part of this game. Uh, the second key, the Green Bay Nitro Package which is their fourth safety package, I think will work versus Minnesota. You know, they're forced to play this game because of linebacker injuries. The good news is they like the speed and athletic ability it gives them, and they also match up well versus passing games. The bad news is it's not a very physical uh, look, and power run games can really give it trouble. But we don't have Dalvin Cook now from Minnesota, they don't have appear to be an offense that can punish Green Bay uh, in the run game. So that this uh, package, nitro package, may actually uh, you know set up very well for them. And they'll just keep everything in front of them. They'll defend the short to intermediate passing game, and it looks like a defensive scheme that that may work very well. And then the third key, you know, what does Minnesota look like now? We've already talked about. Uh, Case Keenum, he has the mobility to avoid the rush that I think uh, Bradford has lacked. But I think what we'll see, Paige, is they'll, they'll go to a, uh, a run-heavy uh, offense, short, safe passes to move the chains, convert on third down. And the most important thing in this game for Minnesota, in my opinion, eat the clock and keep Aaron Rodgers off the field. Minnesota has no chance to match. The explosiveness of the Packers. So they have to slow the game down and play a very mistake-free offensive game to have a chance to stay in this.
0: All right, the key matchup here, Gary. Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen have been the most effective duo in football throughout the last few weeks, and they're facing a Green Bay cornerback position group that isn't exactly in the elite category. So what about this matchup do you expect to happen?
1: Well, I I love the two receivers from Minnesota. Who would have ever thought they would be this good, you know, five games into the season, but they are absolutely terrific. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see, again, how Green Bay plays against them. Will, Will they double cover them? Will they try to bump them at the line of scrimmage? Again, with their four safety package, you know, they could be physical versus the receivers, but they also give up some coverage skills. I don't like the Green Bay corners in single man-to-man coverages, so I think that uh, Diggs and Phelan could have some room to run uh, versus a secondary that is not great in coverage when they have to go to man situations.
0: All right, the X factor in this game is also somebody I might put in my fantasy football sleeper alert, and that is Green Bay running back Aaron Jones. Why is he the X factor in this game?
1: Well, you know what? We should have all listened because the organization talked about him all during the preseason. They said, keep your eye on this guy. He keeps making uh, plays in training camp. And now all of a sudden, uh, you know, we've seen it. I mean, he's he's a guy that follows his blocks well. He's not very big, but he's got quickness. He's got the speed to get outside. Uh, He's actually making some yards after contact, which you wouldn't expect. Uh, for a little guy, and I think when Ty Montgomery comes back, he'll still have a role in this offense because he can give them explosive plays.
0: The fantasy football sleeper, I have, uh, I'm have. i putting Jones as mine, but I like yours as well because with Dalvin Cook going down, we didn't know if it was going to be Latavius Murray or Jarek McKinnon, and it looked like it's going to be a little bit more of Jarek McKinnon going forward.
1: Well, yeah, and the, the Murray experiment lasted all of a half, <laughs> you know, and, and he yep. just he didn't look like he had any explosiveness. All of a sudden, McKinnon, and, and it, McKinnon's a guy that I've watched for a long time, I didn't see this kind of production, but all of a sudden, 16 rushes, 95 yards, six recepts, receptions for 51 yards, he appears to have more big play capability, and, and I will be shocked if his touches don't go up dramatically and and if he doesn't become the starter in this offense.
0: Yep, I'm with you. I'm definitely I'm paying attention to those last two very specifically Aaron Jones and Jerick McKinnon for uh for fantasy purposes. But Gary, thanks so much for joining me this week. I think we're right in the thick of football season week 6, and I know you want to end the podcast with redeeming yourself for your awful comments about hockey that you had on Monday.
1: Geez, I didn't know anybody was listening to me, but <laughs> obviously a couple of my friends were because they they hassled me about my hockey comment. And so in all fairness to them, I said, well, before I pass away, I will go to a hockey game. i give you my word. And so I'm looking around, and I'm seeing if there's a hockey game in my neighborhood here in San Diego that I can go watch to get it off my bucket list. But I may have to drive up and go see the Anaheim Ducks But I will go to a hockey game, and I will enjoy it. I give you my word.
0: All right. I think uh, the L.A. Kings, when the uh, Chicago Blackhawks come to town and play at the Staples Center, I think we're going to have to circle that one on your calendar.
1: All right. right. I'll I'll do it. I give you my word. I will.
0: All right, Gary. Well, for Gary Horton, I'm Paige DiMocos. This has been the week six edition of the Scout and the Sports Page.